Welcome to the Liberty Moms podcast. My name is Chris Kimball. I'm hosting today. And Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their children, their communities, and their families. And Liberty Moms have really been stepping up to the plate recently. In fact, they have been labeled as domestic terrorists. If you're a mom and you're showing up to a school board meeting or speaking out about a problem that you see happening with your children or even asking questions. If you start asking questions about some of the policies that you see in place in the education system or in local government, you're considered a domestic terrorist. And so that's where we are today, a sad state of affairs with our current administration. But uh, today we are going to shift years and um, look at, um, it it does affect education, and and I know we've had a lot of guests on dealing with education, but I've got a special guest that I'm super excited about. Hire is joining me, and Walt has unique first-person experience with transgender uh, dysphoria and the problems with transgender dysphoria, and he's also got solutions and he's got resources and help and so i'm excited to bring him on because he is going to um, walk me through some of the um the data that he has um his own experience and uh, take us through a really interesting conversation because i think a lot of parents are are getting confused with some of the messaging and i think it's time to to clear that up and and get some common sense back into this because we have our children at risk. It's very, very um, disconcerting to see um, this attack. So Walt, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Glad to be on. And I know you've been a voice uh, of warning and a voice of of help and resource. Mm -hmm. Those that are suffering with uh, gender dysphoria and I mean, what I, I think the first time I've had I had you on my radio show would have been way back in 2016. Mm-hmm. What's happened in six years? Instead of um, the messaging getting out there that this is something that um, doesn't have to hurt our children the way it is, mm-hmm. it's accelerated. Yeah. Well, there's really a lot to talk about um, in since 2016. And I, I approach this probably like nobody else does. And I have re- results like nobody else has. Um, and so I've taken a, a whole different approach to this after studying this quite a bit. Um, and it, and it kind of was triggered, if I can go back a little bit in history, um, Back in the late 70s, there were two prominent doctors uh, working at two different clinics. And, and uh, Dr. Charles L. Ellenfeld, who was a homosexual activist, transgender activist, was an 
endocrinologist at the Harry Benjamin Clinic in New York. And he'd worked there for six years and had administered hormone therapies to over 500 people. And he came out and spoke to therapists in Tappan, New York in 1979. And he said, you know, I'm leaving the practice of hormone therapy for people who want to identify as a different gender because it's causing too much harm and too many suicides. That was in 1979. Um, and so he left the gender clinic saying it was a, a total sham and scam and said that the, he's going to become, he's a bright guy. So he became a psychiatric doctor. And he said, the reason why is because I want to dig into the uh, real underlying causes, he called them comorbidities, the real underlying causes that are driving people to think that they should uh, adopt this ideology. So that was one trigger. And then, and then Paul McHugh, uh, almost identically at the same time, had done a study um, at John Hopkins and came up with similar results, although he didn't, McHugh's report didn't talk about suicide. It just talked about the fact that undergoing uh, these procedures didn't help anybody. It was not helpful at all. It didn't, if you were suffering with psychological, emotional, and other issues before you had surgery, you're going to be suffering from the same psychological and emotional issues afterwards. So the point is, why? So when I started reading and doing these research in my book, Trans Life Survivors, my book, Paper Genders, talks a great deal about it too. What I've done now that's different is that I've come to the realization, along with actually many other people, transgenders don't exist. There really is no such thing. And nobody actually transitions. I'm talking medically, uh, psychologically, emotionally, scientifically, any way you want to look at this idea. No one, because the word transgender of itself suggests that somebody actually changed their gender. Well, it's never happened. It, no one has ever change. It's not possible. And so when you look at that, then you have to, you have to walk back to where they say, well, I'm transitioning. Well, no, you're not. You're not only not transitioning, you can't become a transgender. And then you go back one more step. And what I have found is I haven't found in the people I've worked with when I spend a great deal of time with them is that they don't even have gender dysphoria. No one, I haven't found one person with gender dysphoria. So I wondered, why am I seeing, why am I having this reaction? And so I went back and looked when they, you know, everybody keeps asking me, why is there a big explosion of people identifying as trans? Well, you know, in, in 2013, they changed the diagnostic manual, the DSM, and they changed it from identity disorder, identity disorder to gender dysphoria. Now, if you have an identity disorder, that requires a therapist to actually look for the underlying cause. Like uh, Charles L. Illenfeld, the endocrinologist, said that's what's happening. They have an underlying issue. Gender dysphoria actually discounts anything about underlying issues. In other words, they say, well, if you have a feeling, then that's gender dysphoria. And the fact of the matter is, uh, there is a proper dysphoria. It's actually called generalized dysphoria. But the activists put the word gender in, in place of generalized. Because if you use the proper terminology that was established where the activists got a hold of it, 
and and to give you an idea how they change everything, right right now they're they're they've they've talked about the insurrection on Jan six, right? And it was never by definition was never an insurrection. Yes, it was a riot and people were injured and all that, but it, but they love to redefine everything. Now they're trying to redefine what a recession is, and and so if if we can look at what they typically do is they take words and they begin to own them. And unfortunately, many of us on our side start buying into them. And I'm not doing that anymore. So um, what, what, what we have is generalized dysphoria, which is correct. But, you know, you can't, with generalized dysphoria, if you use the accurate term, you can't give somebody hormones and surgery if you have generalized dysphoria, right? So it, it doesn't play well at the gender clinic. Because the truth of the matter is, this issue, and this may shock you, it may shock others, has never, ever been about gender. And that's exactly what Charles L. Ellenfeld, a homosexual doctor, endocrinologist, activist, said in 1979. There are underlying issues. So what are the underlying issues? Well, what we know today, that, and this may be something new to many of the people um, that are listening, there's actually, uh, there's been research for many, many years, and it's called Adverse Childhood Experiences. They're called ACEs. And if you look at this collection of things that happen or occur to children during their childhood, they most often become a adverse childhood experience. And there's actually a test you can and and so what I have done now with the people I work with is I always get them to a trauma therapist, and I ask the trauma therapist to take the test, give them the test for ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, and and what what we end up having is that the individuals that move themselves away from this idea of gender dysphoria and move yourself into generalized dysphoria that's caused by adverse childhood experiences because it's not about gender so we shouldn't even be talking about gender you can't even change gender if you wanted to so what is the real issue the real issue is some adverse childhood experience that happened and so if you go to a trauma therapist most trauma therapists understand what an adverse childhood experience is or aces and they know how to test for it and some of the treatment they use is rapid eye movement or yeah, EMDR, I believe it's called. And so these are these are effective therapies if the person has uh, signs of trauma. And and you know, I worked. I, I, this happens every day in working with people. It's not something that's infrequent. It happens every day. When a, uh, like a grandmother contacted me today and said, "Well, my granddaughter's transitioning," and da da da. And I don't know what's wrong. Do you mind? Would you call and talk to her and stop her? I go, no, wait a minute. Um, you know, there had to be something that happened in her childhood that caused her to not like who she is and want to drastically destroy who she is to become someone who she can never become. Does that make sense? When you think about transgenderism, the idea of, quote, transitioning is all about self-destruction. Everything they do, they're changing their name, they're ch changing their clothing, they're changing their I identity, um, they're putting hormones. It's, it oh. is, if, 
Yeah. You know what, Walt? I really had not um, considered that, but they are trying to destroy who they were, who that person was. No, and they're who they are. Yeah. yeah, who they are. I mean, it's who they are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fully wiping it out. I mean, we're not going to have, I'm going to have a new name. I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to have a new identity. And, and you're right. I, I mean, here in Utah, it's, it's, I go up to the legislature and um, we have bills that come out. We tried to, we stopped boys playing on girls sports teams in Utah. It was a big fight, but we were able to get that through. And some of the legislators are totally using this new lingo, cisgender and crack. Yeah. It's ridiculous. No, it's, it's, we're yeah. men and we're women. Right. And, and this right. is what this is what I'm talking about, how they grab a language. There's no such thing as cisgender. There's no such thing as transgender. No such thing as transitioning. And I still haven't seen anybody with gender dysphoria. I have found a lot of cases of adverse childhood experiences. And I, I w- give you a, a simple idea. This this came up. I got the email this morning from the guy. 13 years old. He was struggling uh, with his identity. And, and he's 74. So this was right at the time it was beginning, right? And, you know, when, when Christine Jorgensen came out and was they were talking about transgenders in the news. And so he kind of identified with that when he was 13 years old. And he's been struggling. He's now 74. Mm. He contacted me and said, Walt, I've been struggling. I don't know what to do. This is driving me crazy. Um, I'm going to go to the therapist Thursday. I always dress up as a female when I go to the therapist. She says I'm transgender the, the first email he wrote you'll love this he wrote says uh, i'm a transgender my therapist says i'm a transgender he's 74 i'm a transgender and and i need to finish my transition and i said well your therapist is a quack and a nut job because at 74 years old you're not transitioning into anything and you're you're not even a transgender so i said but i really would like to spend some time with you and find out what's wrong so I asked him a simple question anybody in the world could ask. I said, tell me, in your childhood, was there something that happened around the age of 13 that was you would consider to be traumatic or uncomfortable or unusual or whatever you want to call it? And so he wrote back and he said, well, my mom was a, you know, an alcoholic and, and crazy and would chase my dad around the house when she drank with a butcher knife trying to kill him. Oh, guess what? That is called an adverse childhood experience, ACEs. So when he told me this, I wrote him an email and I said, look, I don't know anything about your wacko therapist, but whoever it is is nuts to say you're transgender. Go in there tomorrow and don't dress as a female and tell him that you talk to Walt Heyer. You can look up my website and you and Walt says you need to treat me for trauma that happened when I was 13 years old because my mom was chasing dad with a butcher knife. And so the, the therapist, to her credit, said, well, that's kind of interesting. I never thought about that. So the therapist did the, the adverse childhood experience testing, scored 7 out of 10 in trauma. And so she started treating him with trauma therapy, EMDR therapy. And get this, no lie, I got the email. It fixed him in one session. He has absolutely no distress about gender. 
This has been a, an issue of trauma from day one. That's that's him telling me. I'm not making. It's oh. like, I mean, I looked at it. I showed it to my wife like this. I could, you know, we're getting, we're seeing the results if we stop talking about gender, stop talking about transition, stop talking about transgender. All that is total blather, and that's where the left wants us to put the fight because they can win it every time. We can't argue against trans, transgender, transitioning and gender, but we can argue against trauma that happened during childhood. And they can't stop a therapist from treating somebody from trauma because we're trauma. not trauma. Yes, yes. It's I, trauma Walt, therapy. Walt, this is huge because I'm sure you're aware because Utah's not the only state where this happened, but the LGBTQ community came in and shut down transitional therapy or conversion therapy is what they called it. But see, you're, you're talking about something totally different. It has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with a trauma. It's the only way we're going to win this thing is to stop wow. using their language. As long as we buy into their language, we're never going to win the battle. And more importantly, it's not even about that. We're never going to effectively help the people who are in distress about something that happened to him in their childhood. Oh my goodness, Walt! This is—I'm—I've got chills. This is huge, and it's the—the the thing that's so beautiful about it is it's a simple approach. Like you—you you just mentioned to—you just gave us an example. You took a man who's been struggling for sixty-one stinking years of his life, and you have him go into his therapist and just shift and talk about his trauma, childhood trauma. And he's, he's done. He's finished. He's healed. I've been doing this for years and people say, well, you're crazy. It's no, I, I don't care if people call me crazy. All I know is it has nothing to do with gender because you can't even change it. Right. And, and if you go back even to, and, and if people will look at my book, uh, paper genders, you'll see where I talk about Illenfeld and those individuals. Oh. It, they, they were, they gave us the clues in the late seventies. This was never about gender. We knew no. this in the 70s, but we've been, you know, we get caught up. A lot of times people write articles and they, they, they want to put transgender or gender dysphoria for clickbait. They feel yeah. like if they write an article, you know, I wrote an article, it's called, uh, it's about adverse childhood experiences in the public discourse. I'll send you a link to it. Yes. Uh, and, and it talks about exactly what I'm talking about. Replace gender dysphoria with generalized dysphoria, which is an actual, I didn't make it up. It's actually a real diagnosis. And, and then it talks about how adverse childhood experiences, listen to this, in when you're looking at adverse childhood experiences and they explain it, it causes the brain to be altered at the level of their identity when they're young. This is not about gender. It's about their identity. It's about identity. It's never been about gender. It's been about their identity. That's why so they're, they're So what you're saying then is they're trying to re they're trying to get rid of that identity because of trauma that is uh it's a it's a defense mechanism basically, right? It's yeah, absolutely. And so if we, if we can just understand, they don't want to be who they are because they were 
sexually abused, emotionally abused. They saw something traumatic. Many of these people that I've worked with, and I've been doing this a long time, 25 years I've been at it. And so well, many of the kids who want to remove their genitalia, somebody touched their genitalia and they want to be a woman. If they get rid of their genitalia, that's a protection against somebody touching them inappropriately. Girls will want to identify as a man and look masculine. Why? So that they're become repulsive to anyone who might, a man who might want to sexually molest them. That's why they become lesbians because men are unsafe. But if we, if we can begin to grasp this and stop looking at this stuff from the standpoint of gender and start looking at it from a standpoint of trauma, I've been doing this. And it's, and, and while it's a hard sell for some people, I've done enough of it where I am so bold and so absolutely positive, I know that I'm going to be dead and buried in my tombstone. Somebody's going to walk up and say, that guy was right. Because I'm seeing the absolute results from stopping the nonsense about gender. We shouldn't it, even be talking about it. You know, Walt, this is so refreshing because I see so many organizations, churches, um, NGOs that kowtow to this ideology. That, Absolutely. Yeah, that, that just kowtow and buy into it. And I mean, we even have state legislators that totally here in Utah that supposedly believe that they're Christians and that God is our creator. And yet they're buying into something that is impossible to even happen. I, it's the yeah. dissonance is, is, out, is astonishing. When I preach at churches and I've done Sunday church, I get up there and I usually start by, hello, folks, I just want you to know something. When the sperm hits the egg, the game is over. Mm-hmm. Nothing can change. It ain't going to happen. It's- and this insanity about them saying, what gender were you assigned at birth? No one has ever had their gender assigned at birth. It happened at conception. I'm sorry. Thank you, because that's what I've been trying to explain here in Utah. You can go to the NIH and they talk about it. It happens right at conception because that the the the, the it's science to be yeah it has to tell whether that's going to be a boy or a girl six weeks later. But but anyway, I want our listeners to know we're going to back up a little bit and find out why you are such an expert because you have suffered with trans um, you, you suffered with uh, gender dysphoria. You had you had your own ACE experience as a child, and so yeah. we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We've got a break that's coming up here shortly, but I want our listeners to know that you know firsthand from your own personal experience, your own journey, right. um, which has made you the an expert. No, Maybe. thank you. I, I just so. have been studying it so long, and now I'm seeing the fruits of looking at it a different way. It's wonderful. Yeah, you are. I mean, this is important. So um, stay with us. This is the Liberty Moms podcast. Walt Heyer is my guest, and we're going to um, be back after this short break here on the Liberty Moms show.
Welcome back to the Liberty Moms podcast. Chris Kimball is hosting today. And oh my goodness, my guest is Walt Heyer. And he is the author of a couple of different books on um, the, I don't even want to call it um, transgender dysphoria or gender dysphoria anymore because he has educated me on what is really happening with these um, poor individuals, whether they're children, whether they're adults who are dealing with the idea that they need to, to end who they exist, how they exist right now, and take on a new identity yeah. and, and change genders. They think that that's possible, which we all know. I mean, if you honestly, you cannot change your gender. It is embedded in your DNA. And on the last, at the end of the first segment, Walt got through saying, once that sperm unites with that egg, it's a done deal. Yeah. Nothing alters it. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to back up a little bit because um, a lot of times, um, especially in the LGBTQ community, if you don't, if you haven't walked in their shoes, if you, they, you're just discredited because you don't know. Yeah. You know, you've spent years, decades of research, but I just want you to briefly describe your story because you had um, what I'm going to call an adverse childhood experience. Yes. That was perpetrated by your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, tell our listeners what, what happened to you and what was the outcome of that? Yeah. Well, my grandmother made me a purple chiffon dress when I was four years old and uh, she was a seamstress and it seemed exciting to me. I didn't, you know, at the time, I don't think I thought it was anything to it. Uh, it seemed exciting, grandma dressing me up and fawning over me and so forth. What I, what I know today at 81 years old that I didn't know when I was four years old is that when grandma put me in that dress and began to affirm me as uh, in the dress, that is psychological and emotional child abuse. That's exactly what it is. It's not dressing up a boy. It's psychological and emotional child abuse because the message is you're much better off as a girl or there's something wrong with you as a boy. There's all kinds of messages that are going through my little young mind at the time. Why is grandma not excited about me wearing cowboy boots and blue jeans? She wants to put me in a purple dress. And so that that began this journey and grandma kept this a secret from my mom and dad for two and a half years. And that was okay with me. I didn't know, you know, today we know if you're keeping a secret about anything, there's something wrong with what you're doing. Because if you can't speak out about it, then it, there's something wrong. And so my dad, when he found out what his mother-in-law was doing, don't you love that? The old mother-in-law gets it, right? And so yes. when he found out what mother-in-law was doing, he went berserk. And so... We're talking 1946, 1947, um, and there's nobody knows any terms. There's no words or anything, right? So I'm I'm pre all of this crazy nonsense that we're we're talking mm-hmm. about, and so, but the reaction and the stuff is the same. So I think we can learn from what happened to me. So the physical abuse that he asserted on me to try to man me up with with a hardwood floor plank was just one of the things that was the consequence of the purple dress. Absent of the purple dress, my dad wouldn't have hit me with a hardwood floor plank, nor would my uncle Fred started sexually molesting me when I was nine because of the purple dress. 
So I, I, if people, parents especially, need to understand these cross-dressing boys and girls is not benign. It's psychological abuse. And in my case, it became physical abuse by my dad with a hardwood floor paint and then sexual abuse. I would say, of as an example, 65, maybe 70% of the people that I work with who contact me to, that want help to detransition, of the thousands of people that I've worked with, about 65 to 70% of them were sexually abused. So this is a common denominator. Some of them were physically, emotionally, but they all have adverse childhood experiences. Certainly sexual abuse, physical abuse, and emotional abuse are all adverse childhood experiences. So I would even put cross-dressing a, uh, a grandma doing that was an adverse childhood experience. Now, people will argue with that, but people don't understand that we're destroying the very core identity of a kid. And if you look <coughs> at the detail, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> details of adverse childhood experience, it, it alters the brain at the level of where I, I, identity is formed. I get so excited. And so in my own case, I went through this and then, and then went to a gender clinic or gender therapist, the, the guy who actually wrote the standards of care that exist today. He drafted them in 1979. Important year, isn't it? 1979. His name was Dr. Paul Walker. He was actually the chairperson that drafted the standards of care that have been changed and changed and changed. But he was the original chairperson, was my therapist told me I had <coughs> gender dysphoria and that I needed to transition. All those things are obviously quite false because what he did and what they still do today is they ignore the fact that cross-dressing a boy is psychological and emotional child abuse that lasts a lifetime. I'm 81. I'm still talking about it. That's proof. Physical abuse by the father and sexual abuse, which quite frankly is a crime that no one actually ever totally gets over. And so all those things made me not want to be who I was. So what is the alternative? Okay, they're talking about, oh, well, you can change your gender. So, you know, as a young kid, oh, that sounds like, I, you know, I'll do this, cut all my body parts off. I can identify. I, don't, I can, it's, it's almost like um, prisoners sometimes that are, locked up for years and years, they actually see themselves going and doing something else so that they don't feel the pain where they are. It's called a dissociative disorder in some circles. So you dissociate. And so when you dissociate, what you do in, in, with transgenderism, every single step that they're required to do to be transgender is self-destructive behavior, every bit of it. You have to cut off body parts. You have to stuff hormones in yourself and you have to change your identity. This, the whole thing is so self-destructive, especially when you take into account no one in history, no one in history has ever had their gender changed biologically because it's not possible. Your gender is not assigned at birth. It's, it's innate and fixed at conception no one can change that. So what are they actually changing? They're changing their identity. That's all you can change. So, Walt, that would explain the high suicide rate in the transgender in that community. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they're not treating the underlying trauma. 
Exactly. They're still dealing. They've got their adverse childhood experience. And then they just went ahead and mutilated their body and castrated themselves. And I wrote about that in, in my book, Paper Genders, 15 years ago. Like, and, and I don't feel better. I wonder why. Yeah. And, and if, you look, if you look at why people commit suicide, 90% of the people who commit suicide commit suicide because they have untreated psychological and emotional disorders. Untreated. And that's the key word when it comes to this whole gender. They do not treat disorders. They don't know how to treat know what a disorder is the only thing they know how to do is stuff somebody with hormones and cut off body parts they don't know how to treat this they're not skilled at it they don't know what they are they don't know what an adverse childhood experience is all they know is about hormones and surgery that's it and and it's so destructive it's so destructive and they sell it as the silver bullet of what's going to make them happy this is all you need to do you're just in the wrong body you know, God made a mistake, you were supposed to be a boy or whatever, and that this is your solution. And it's, oh my gosh, it's, it's not even putting a Band-Aid, it's like butchering them, and then, oh, now feel good about that. I well, mean, it's... You know, it's if, let me, let me pose this little question here. If it is so effective doing this hormones and surgery, then why are people who go through it 19 times more likely to commit suicide than the people who don't. And I'll add one other thing. I have a website, sexchangeregret.com. And my website would get no visitors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest about it. If what they're doing is effective, sex change regret website would get no visitors. You know how many visitors I've had just in the last few years? I forget. Two million. Oh my goodness. Two, two million. million. Two million. And so, yes. so, so, and, and right now, I bet if we were able, we can't, and nobody can, but based on the number of people that are contacting me and based on, you know, Twitter and all these other things that are going on in the universe, there's actually more people detransitioning today because of bad experiences and regret. And that's why when I started this website so many years ago, they're going, ah, well, you know, hired the guy's a nut. He's just an old man. He doesn't know what he's doing. And that's why I, with our website, with the media that I do, with the um, documentary films I do, with all of the things that I'm doing right now, we're reaching about 200 million people a year. Well, you are a godsend in this crazy, chaotic world. And I'm, I'm talking about even in the the realm of our churches our churches have bought into this ideology and and that we just need to be kind to them that's all we have to do we just love them where they are instead of trying to get the root of the trauma but i'll tell you what walt Heyer is coming kicking booty because i i've got three (laughs) I've got three churches, fairly good-sized churches I'm going to, and they all wanted to talk about this sex and gender forum. And I wrote them back and said, I'm not going to speak there if you're talking about sex and gender forum because it's not. It's about an identity that's been destroyed by an adverse childhood, and that's what I want to talk about. If you don't want to talk about, you know, if we, if from a biblical standpoint, we can teach 
about placing our identity in Christ. And because if we if we're living in the flesh, which transgenderism is living in the flesh, and if we're I if we're changing our identity because we've had uh, some horrible experience, and I, I my heart goes out to the people who've had these trauma. I mean, this is this requires treatment. This they shouldn't be bashed. They shouldn't. These people need trauma therapists, and they need people to understand we can help you, but we need to identify the adverse childhood experience that you're going through. And I can, and let me tell you something. This is amazing. I have been able to identify, and I literally, I don't know how many people, it's well over thousand, thousand, I don't know. I do it every day. I've been doing it for years. 100% of the time, I'm able to work with somebody and they can tell me what caused them to not like who they are. Wow. They're able to, they, they consciously, then they're consciously aware of what that, of what that situation was. They, they weren't until I began to ask them critical questions. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, they, you help them find that. I help them discover that sometimes they're yeah. in their forties and they're talking yeah. about an experience. It'll be the first time they've talked about it, but because I've learned a, some very probing questions sometimes are very simple. What's your relationship like with your father? Oh, my dad was a jerk. He used to beat the crap out of me. He was an alcoholic. He was never home. He beat my mom, you know. Uh, okay, well, what was your relationship like with your mom? Well, she'd sexually amused me or she'd put me to edit, you know. You begin to ask critical questions and you get some amazing answers. And, and I, I, every time I ask somebody, what happened that caused you to not like who you are? Just tell me. I want to know what happened that caused you to not like who you are. Because we know transgenders aren't born. We know that it's a childhood developmental disorder. And our job is to identify that adverse childhood experience that caused them to have this disordered thinking. And I call it disordered thinking because it's a little more friendly to it rather than say you have a disorder, just call it disordered thinking. And yeah, so where did this good. disordered thinking come from? Because it doesn't make sense to me. And, and so when you begin to approach these things from a standpoint of, of well, once they answer the question, I said, well, then why do you want to erase? I love the word. Why do you want to erase who you are? Tell me why you want to erase who you are. What's, What's going to be the benefit to you in erasing who you are? That's a provocative question. Wow. And then, and then I say, well, why are you going to be better off after you cut off body parts and take hormones? And you know what? They can't explain it. Uh-huh. They're, just, they're doing it because it's, uh, in, in many cases, uh, it's a social contagion that they don't even, they're just going along with or because they had an adverse childhood experience. There are not every case is an adverse childhood experience. There are social contagion things where kids get involved in the internet. They join these chat rooms that, yeah. what is it, anime or whatever it is. And and TikTok. TikTok, I heard, is very... This is brutal stuff. And awesome. pornography. I had, a, I had a 16, 19-year-old uh, contact me. And I asked him the same question. He says, I went through the surgery. Can you help me detransition? I said, 19, you went through the surgery. 
how did you get through that at, at to that at 18? My parents took me at 15 to a gender clinic and put me on hormone blockers. My parents took me to the gender clinic to have my body parts all changed so I could become, quote, a female at when I was 18 for my 18th birthday. That was my birthday party. Oh, no. Birthday present. So he said, I'm 19. I And I wrote the article in the Daily Signal. And the article is titled, uh, I feel like, a, uh, I forget, I'll, I'll send you the link. But the, the kid in there says, I feel like a Frankenstein monster. Can you get my life back for me? Oh, my gosh. How and sad. This happened so many times. This, you know, I'm, I'm only able to publish some of the stories with their permission. I, if I didn't have permission, I could publish them every day. Mm-hmm. Oh. But people don't want to talk about it. So this is, if we can just stop with the gender dysphoria, we can stop with the transitioning, stop with this trans, you're, you're not. Tell me what happened that caused you to not like who you are, and I can help you. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm just, I'm blown away by this. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited to, to hear this information because it was kind of feeling like it's just expanding and so many people are buying into it and getting caught up. And I'm like going, where is your common sense? No one can change their gender. It's impossible to do that. But I have a question for you because you talked about dressing up. Now, I had a couple of boys and my youngest would play dress up periodically and with a neighbor boy and they dressed up as girls. However, it was always in a pretend format. Like we're going to pretend that we're girls and, and just dress up for um, playtime or whatever, but nothing was affirmed. Nothing was, is that kind of okay? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I think in, in the old days, the climate was much different. I think today with all of this hyperactivity that we're mm-hmm. seeing in books and schools everywhere, I think it's so risky. Uh, it's I would put it in the same category as playing Russian roulette. Okay. I, I tend to agree based on the current climate and myself growing up in the 60s, I would have been, honestly, if my parents didn't have um, – didn't have their common sense, you could have pushed me into um, transitioning just because I was a tomboy. I yeah. Sports. I climbed trees. I yeah. read with the boys. That's totally what they would have bought into because that's what the social engineering is doing is that, well, you're a boy. You're not a girl. You should be a boy. And so today you would not want to encourage that or even suggest that just because of the climate. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you that how many times uh, people have written me and said, yeah, I was cross-dressed uh, as a youngster, and that's where it started. Really? Okay. So I just think it's, you know, it's risky, um, and, um, you know, we're all vulnerable. You know, the fact of the matter is, and I wrote this, I love pushing my books because it's the only way I make money, Um and, and paper genders talks about the fact that the brain, a child's brain, all of us, our brain is not fully developed until what year? What, what age? Do you know? I think it's 25-ish. 24, 25. So, yes. so why are we as adults participating in altering kids who don't even have a fully developed brain? I mean, we are the ones that are insane for buying into right. this craziness. I mean yeah. – 
come on, guys. What talk to me about what your your feelings are when you're 26 or 27? We'll have a different discussion than when you're three or four or five or seven or whatever. The president Biden wants kids transitioning at eight because he's got this guy at HHS who doesn't even know what gender he is. I mean, if the government. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Rachel Levine. What a. I mean, I am sorry. This is bad news for the country to put somebody out there as though the guy is a real woman. It's not. Rachel Levine, a man, a father with three, I believe, three children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, he had the little swimmers and he made babies with his wife. He's a man. Sorry. Right. You know, it it begs to um, have you ponder a little bit about our military and how they've totally promoted ideology and think about it. You have these emotionally scarred individuals now in the military under extremely stressful situations. And they're all dealing with trauma, embedded trauma that they're not, that they're not aware of that they haven't dealt with, but now they're in these. Yeah. I wrote an article about this in 2015. I don't remember. Um, in the Daily Signal, and it it went viral, 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 and ended up uh, in the when Trump was president, ended up in the White House uh, West Wing Daily Briefing Room. My article I'm talking about. Wow! Because it talks about you know how how transgenderism is destroying. Um, the army, the military. It's not well, so- and I know. Uh, President Trump, when he was in office, was trying. He went in and reversed some of the policies that uh, Obama had put into place. <clears throat> yeah, trying to slow that down and trying to protect our children. Now, I do want our listeners to know about your resources, so please tell them your your website and the names of your books because this is this they have to have these tools. So, Walt, we've got. Okay. Left. Let's let our listeners know how they can get more information from you. Yeah, you go to sexchangeregret.com. Fabulous site. My wife built it. You can go to the library, the link to the library. You can buy books through there. Um, and uh, the other website is walthire.com. That's my ministry website. I speak at churches. Um, and so we have two two facets going, we reach the, the unreachable and we teach the people who are believers. So um, it's all about this dual action. We want to reach as many people as we can. We, we know it's not about gender. We know it's not about transitioning. We know it's about something that happened to them that caused them to not like who they are. We want to help them find out who that is, what, what that was and get them to the proper therapist, not, uh, run away from any gender therapist because it's not about gender. It's about trauma or it's about something that happened and there's effective therapy to do that. So you don't have to take hormones. You don't have to cut off your body parts and end up regretting it. Like I did. Well, thank you so much. You are a godsend and I, God bless you as you continue your work because you're 81 years old and you're going strong. I know you've got interviews and you're flying out to Idaho this weekend and and so you're just sharing your knowledge and your information, and that's going to make a huge difference on a lot of lives, young and old, because 
we've got individuals, like you said, grown men and, and women who have um, bought into this, this lie. Yeah. Um, lie. And one, one last thing is I'm, I'm not a 501. So I'm not, uh, I've never taken money for helping people. I've done that for free. Uh, if people like what I'm doing, uh, they, they're certainly welcome. It's not tax deductible. If they just want to give a gift, um, we, we, That's, you can do that on the website. Yeah. We okay. love gifts because uh, we do 90% of what we do uh, is done pro bono. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And we'll have you back on again another time. All right. Thank you. It's great to be on.